0: Radio in a nineties state of mind. Welcome to Blue and Green radio.com.
1: Welcome, friends. You're tuned in to another episode of the Blue In Green Podcast. My name's Imran. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, As usual, the Blue In Green Podcast runs in conjunction with Blue In Green Radio, the online internet radio station uh, broadcasting from London and hosting shows from around the world. You can find us at www.blueingreenradio.com. While it gives me the immense uh, pleasure and pride to be able to announce this as episode 65 of the blue and green podcast it also is episode one of a new podcast venture that i'm super excited about uh it is basically the blue and green brand uh uh, in collaboration with forever in electric dreams forever in electric dreams are a podcast network and we're really excited to kind of add the blue and green brand uh to their incredible list of podcasts and mixes that celebrate geek culture so uh uh, yeah, really excited about going forward um, So this 90 State of Mind podcast will basically be myself and various Blue and Green radio presenters Typically, uh, or most notably Rhonda, who is the guest for today's episode uh, From San Jose, California and host of uh, Blue and Green Radio's Ride the Vibe We uh, will be us sort of celebrating albums and music from the 90s that have just meant the most to us (laughs) meant the most to us Uh, I personally, I'm a huge 90s fiend, it's such a a real colossal decade of music for me it's really sort of symbolizes that point of music when i completely just fell in love with it in everything that i was sort of experiencing from 90s r&b to hip-hop and everything that it sort of led me on to uh, in terms of neo-soul and then obviously the the kind of the urge to go backwards and rediscover all of these samples that uh, this music was kind of being built upon so it's a it's a wonderful period um and i'm i'm really excited to kind of really really get stuck into it and uh share it with uh like-minded uh friends and uh hopefully express that extend that kind of uh affection This era of music onto you guys So uh, thanks very much for for joining uh, us on this journey So uh, episode 1 of our ninety State of Mind We'll see uh, Rhonda, as I said, from San Jose, California uh, And I connect about Maxwell's uh, Urban Hang Suite It is a beautiful piece of work And um, I think a perfect, a really, really perfect album To kind of kickstart this new series as well so I hope you'll join Rhonda and myself as we sort of uh, bask in this wonderful project and uh, kickstart the series of just of just celebrating these incredible 90s projects so uh, the way these podcasts work we have two songs featured per episode Uh, our guest will pick the closing number naturally a song from the album and I'll pick the opening one and so for me from uh, Maxwell's urban hang suite i'm going to pick my current favorite and there's a good handful to pick from there really really is but i'm going to go with uh the gorgeous "Till the cops come knocking so uh following this track uh ronda and i will be delving deep uh into the the wonderful project that is maxwell's urban hang suite thanks very much friends i very much hope you enjoy the show guess firstly thanks for doing this i really obviously always appreciate your, your your time in in kind of uh connecting for music related discussions and obviously now we're kind of turning our attention to to 90s stuff super excited to delve uh kind of into uh a decade i think that means an incredible amount to to me and you we've spoken about 90s stuff in various contexts from r&b to neo soul to hip-hop so right. um for me yeah it's a it's a it's a decade that means a lot to me because that, that kind of mid 90s is really when i sort of fell in love with music in general okay. um that kind of like 90s r&b i remember falling at like jodeci and usher and yep. things like 112 and then that oh, yeah. became my avenue into to hip-hop and then neo soul and then basically going backwards with music but yeah so 90s was probably when I enjoyed music the most as well being at uni and just being surrounded by people all loving the same thing so what are your kind of yeah so obviously you're a 90s fiend as well right
2: I am um I um it's I don't know how I want to say this um because it's one thing when you're living it and then you know the time passes and you go back and you get to um, like, wow, <laughs> I, yeah, that is my time of music, right? And um, but you know, it was a great time for the genre as a whole. You, you know, as you were speaking about uh, the fusion of of soul music, the fusion of hip hop, um, especially hip hop with with um, R and B, soul, funk, jazz. Mm-hmm. That was pushing the the genre, um, so it was a, a a great time to be uh, exposed to um, all of that gumbo of music. So yeah, and mm. it's I can't even believe the time that has flown by since. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: but, that's yeah. probably the aspect of this conversation of these conversations I never considered <laughs> about actually thinking, oh. Oh, it's that long.
2: Okay. Exactly. (laughs) To research it. And I'm like, oh, hmm. Hmm. Well, you see, I listened to this when I was three. And so. (laughs) (laughs) right.
1: It's, uh, yeah. So I guess this series is is really going to be about us celebrating th- those albums, specifically those albums and basically everything uh, that went into making um, some of our favorites and the artists involved, etc., cetera, et cetera. So I think we've got a great one to kick this off with, with uh, yeah. Maxwell's Urban Hang Suite. Um, yeah, it's, I agree. yeah, you Yeah, I'm going to assume you jumped on it quite early upon release. I did.
2: Um, I, I remember, like you know, the whole um, neo soul movement, um, and, and this album being a part of that, um, and something, something, and Ascension on the radio getting a lot of play, and it just blew up for him. And um, yeah, just the the sound of the album and the way lyrically it's just a it's a really well it's a sexy album right so (laughs) you know um and and I look at music now and then I look back at this album and um I appreciate it more because of the way he was able to tap into sensuality sexuality in a way that's um not so explicit right Mm. that we see Mm. now today right because we and i'm not saying that that's not a bad thing but there's something to be said for um less is more i'll put it that way right yeah and um and of course part of this you know the show with you is to go back and, and then just relive the music and to remember and to really enjoy great albums. Right. Uh, you know, we, we talk about how we're in the age of, of downloading just singles. Right. But yeah. um, hopefully people will give the whole album. Um, yes. A listen. Cause this is a delicious album. It just is from start to finish. Um, it is perfect. Comfy. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm you know it's funky so you know it's got my vote so uh (laughs) so um yeah 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 Mm.
1: yeah so well i mean let's go through the rap sheet it's uh released 96 uh columbia records the debut album from uh maxwell uh went on to be uh platinum uh multi-platinum, probably selling album. Mm-hmm. It's probably hailed as his most revered project. I think it's fair to say, even though he's had incredible success with uh, subsequent albums, um, four singles from it. And looking it up, I was quite surprised that "Till the Cops Come Knocking" uh, was the, the first, first single. Exactly right, because um, that's I, if it was out,
2: that's not the ones that blew up for me. Right, Ascension no. and something something was the ones, and then I came back. To till the cops come knocking, so it was a little um, uh, interesting for me to to see that that's how they were released as singles. But what I heard on the radio and what, what made me go get his his CD in the first place were the other two tracks.
1: Yeah, so Ascension yeah. was definitely the first song that I had heard, um, the first single I had heard, and obviously the first time I would heard him heard of him. So I mean, yeah. I I should have looked up like how till the cops come knocking actually performed because I guess if it hadn't made its way to sort of everyone then I, I don't know if it underperformed or if everything after was just really overperformed, but uh, it's a mainstream label in Colombia, So obviously their expectations must've been incredibly high at the outset.
2: Yeah. Well, I think if we look like from May to July that versus July to December, right between those releases right. Um, I don't know if um, Till the Cops Come Knocking was like this big splash the way Ascension was. Because Ascension was really hot. Everybody yeah. picked up that song. And I think that's probably um, the only the only way I could think. They would have milked the first single if it had blown up. So it probably right. got him initial um, exposure, but it was the second one that just got the 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 radio play it got the video play because you know back then we had the music videos you know the channels and everything um, so that really put him in rotation and and as far as as I'm concerned you know for me my point of view that's the song that like I was like wow gotta get it so
0: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Mm
1: sort of about him going into the project as well was really interesting because he was heavily uh, I think his earliest influence of influence of music was that kind of 80s flight time kind of sound and I'm always like oh my gosh like I would love to hear a Maxwell album kind of really immersed uh in that sound that would just be bliss you you know I think uh, I don't know there's probably traces of it in Urban Hang Suite if you really kind of try and dig it out probably most notably with Ascension they did the that kind of the SOS mashup uh, for the Ascension single so that's another good indicator of kind of what Maxwell would and that sound would be and it sounds beautiful like it's just as good as you would imagine it to be but I think by the time Irvin Hangsweek had come out his sound had evolved or just incorporated lots more more things from that point
2: yeah Ascension is is oh it's, it's a, yeah, it's a great cut. There's nothing... Um, that really solidified him to me, yeah. right? And, and especially with the neo-soul movement. Um, but I grew up also listening to Patrice Russian, SOS band, yeah. Rolls Royce. Um, so I, I understand um, that, you know, that being an influence with him. But actually, for me, the it this album it's like an ode to Marvin Gaye to me like um right. the I Want You album that's the one where I went and I was actually um I started going back to listen to that album because of preparing for our conversation for this album and um and I the, the parallels were just you know he took the baton from Marvin and just ran with it and I and and just took it to an uh another level so Um, and then you know, doing this album with with uh, Stewart Matherman, Matherman, yeah, Matherman. Thank you. Um, with Sade. oh my God. So again, that whole vibe—if you know Sade's vibe—some of the the tracks, um, that just there's for her. It's like this light, airy soulfulness, right? So that when you hear like whenever wherever whatever Mm -hmm. it's totally like this light airiness to it and it's totally shoddy vibe totally shoddy vibe so um so just to see the the fusion of the musicians that came together for this ah this is a great this is mm,
1: yeah, and there, there, yeah, absolutely, and yeah. there are there are as a, a handful of incredible names kind of attached as collaborators, which mm-hmm. you've you you mentioned, and the the masterful, if I may say, Ronda mm-hmm. comparisons to Marvin Gaye's "I Want You," obviously probably in in part to uh, thanks to Leon Ware, who obviously yes. helmed uh, the whole of Marvin Gaye's "I Want You" album, and and contributes again a dream pairing. Mm-hmm of him uh, as a co-writer for Something Something uh, on this album, which is a dream uh, kind of, you know, combination to have. Um, And then there's obviously Stuart Matthewman, who, I mean, if you had just heard, I know, obviously he had a large part in kind of creating that sound with uh, Maxwell. But I think if you had heard a Maxwell record and then the idea of Stuart Matthewman and him together would just be a dream pairing. So the fact that we got it immediately is yeah, incredible it's, it's, and they've they've been on almost every album uh they've they've collaborated together almost i think there's one that they weren't on or matthewman wasn't on um but to kind of have him at the outset on on tracks is just insane i know
2: right i mean it's like getting a, a dream gig right out the top so now <laughs> everything else is like oh <laughs> you know because you know <laughs> right because when you when you're you're able to get paired with great writers great producers great mm. um musicians you know it, it makes it i'm like this is your first album out the gate this good right yeah um and and i, I don't he I, he I don't know if he thought it was going to be as big as it was, but Mm -hmm. he put enough good talent together to give him something that should have been a a classic album, which is what this is, right? Yeah. And um, I even like that it started with the theme, right, which is totally kind of like the 70s vibe where you have the theme music, (laughs) right? that whole that's what i was like oh wait no this is like and um i remember listening to that marvin gay album when i was a kid because it's in my mom's collection but never really like you know I'm just listen to it to just listen to it but yeah. to go back and to go and see like the influence that this brought over oh yeah but, yeah, I love the urban theme, too, because it's right at the top. Just a great right. way to start an album. Just brings you in very funky and flavorful. And and then it just goes from there,
1: um, you know.
2: Buckle up. It is. The, there is a lot
1: of, like, <laughs> I, I saw him. I had the incredible pleasure of seeing him live mm-hmm. um, when he toured uh, the first part of the Black Summer's Night album, oh. which I think was 2009. I think it was probably as far back as that. We still haven't got yeah. the third part at the time of this recording. It's right. supposed to be part of a trilogy. We still haven't got it. I can't believe it. Um, but uh, it was a dream lineup in terms of the band members that were there with Robert Glasper, Chris Dave, Derek Hodge. Yes. Um, Saunders Sermons on trombone as well. It was a dream lineup. And I remember him. It's funny because everything about Urban Hangsuit, you're right, it is funky. But I it, I think his voice and probably the the songs that were probably most synonymous with this album are more ballads probably like you said Mm -hmm. whenever wherever lonely's the only company uh uh um, there's more reunion etc you know i think it's probably more recognized as a ballady kind of album but when you see him live he is so energetic. He is, there's so much energy in his live performance and the way people react to it. I remember thinking, like, my God, this is this generation's Marvin Gaye. Like, there is, there couldn't be anyone that comes close to doing what this guy's doing right now. He's a yeah. monster at it. Yes. And, um, and him
2: saying that he's this self described nerd, right? I mean, <laughs> this album is written because, you know, he, the his muse broke his heart right so this is a painful thing that we got this creation and um thank you very much yeah I'm sorry that you had to go with it but (laughs) it's a classic it's like you know 20 plus years and you know you pop it in and boom it's it's just as um um enjoyable now as when he released it and you're right he does have that energy live versus, you know, being this this crooner and everything. But that's totally Marvin Gaye too, you know, to yes. be able to croon yeah. and still get the audience and everybody to draw for their energy and give them a great show, right? Yeah. Um so I I think it's it's a um, it's it's interesting when you you find artists that are more shy in public but then you get them on stage and there's this whole other persona right and he fits that you know yeah uh type of um musician so yeah it's
1: funny researching kind of the album coming together like there were I don't know if you expected me to make this comparison, but somebody we talk about a lot with Prince, uh, and you probably thought, "Oh, you're not going to work Prince into this conversation." But guess what? I am.
2: <laughs> I was actually. I was just waiting. I was waiting. Yeah. I, was, I knew my research too, because I was like, "I'm gonna see. Can we at least get through 20 minutes?" <laughs> It's the, ah! i i don't think no i've, uh, I've already got i'm already gonna like jump
1: it. in with a prince comparison no, we might as it. well come on man that's <laughs> what we do <laughs> it's like so with prince's uh, and i know you know this prince is uh, his first album for warner with for you um they had doubts whether he could carry the entire project. Prince had no doubts. Prince wanted to, I'm going to write this album, I'm going to produce this album, and I'm going to play every instrument. Why? Because I'm Prince, and that's That's what I do. Exactly. And obviously, they wanted to pitch Maurice from Earth, Wind & Fire to serve as his producer. And Prince, despite being the fan of Earth, Wind & Fire, he said, no one's going to produce a Prince record but Prince. And it was funny because with Maxwell's uh, situation where he's a young, uh, uh, a kid with you know. Obviously, he he had generated uh, apparently enough um, of a, of anticipation, obviously to, to come to Columbia's attention in the first place. But they put these people in front of him because they didn't they doubted whether he could do the whole thing by himself. So uh. Stuart Matthewman, even though it's a dream pairing, I don't believe what was necessarily him saying I want to work with Stuart Matthewman. I think it was the label saying this is what we're pitching to you
0: gotcha uh, okay so that there right. was um
1: you know and in some in some ways it's you know it's not necessarily a, a a evil label control thing sometimes it makes sense and uh they've created a wonderful album obviously with all these incredible uh contributors throughout but there were things apparently that Maxwell was adamant about and he did win on and, and that was he did not want to appear on the front cover
2: yes right which is such a bizarre thing <laughs> um I was yeah and I was reading uh, no I was listening to an interview um he wanted the music to come first he mm. didn't want him his physical appearance or anything like that to detract from people just listening to the the music first right and mm. and you know I can relate to that cuz you know my mixes I put the music out there so I I right. can see what he was saying about that but um it's, it's an interesting way to picture your initial album though right yeah so um uh, but yeah he he got what he wanted and it worked for him right um and I think I mean like I said even his first track it's an instrumental track it's not him singing. Yeah. until yeah. so I mean he he really said okay this is this is my this is my album this is what I want to put forth as a a whole piece right not just tracks you, you got to hear it so when you listen to it as a whole then you get this this treasure trove of of you know delightful music and um i i hope that you know in in light of you know I like track one, I like track three, I like track seven that hey we don't get to the point where we miss um artists who want to give like a whole album of creation to their listeners yes yeah, it's that.
1: so funny how we get, we we fall into these boxes of expectation as well because. Mm-hmm that used that the, the casing and the covers used to confuse the hell out of me because you've got the front cover and it's not the fact that he doesn't appear on it it's the fact that you've got the barcode right in the middle
0: oh uh, yeah right
1: in the bottom and i used to think is this the back and you turn it over and his face is on the back in a great picture but you've got there's no other like promo like words like urban hang suite or anything like that you've just got these credit like copyright lines right at the bottom so you're like well, this is the back and you turn it over and you're like, but the barcode's on the front. What's happening? And it's so funny, like you said, and it kicks off with the instrumental and it's funny, the expectations that we have on such minuscule things and what, what an artist can do to change those, those perceptions, just with very small things. And it makes you kind of, well, that's, that's blown my mind in a really stupid way. It's a really small way. But it's that way that made him different.
2: yeah yeah. um and it's very subtle right i mean he's got these women's shoes in this hotel room so i'm like this is really that shot right and it's a a, it's a downward picture right because you Mm -hmm. know you're looking at it from quote unquote the wall supposedly down right so the way the the aesthetics are a little different to to draw you to it like what is this right Mm -hmm. but you you know you go find it because you been listening to ascension and you go get it and you listen to the whole thing and um if you just take a chance and don't hop to the song that you heard on the radio but hear everything that gets you to that song then you start to go into what he was really trying to put together to to give his listeners his fan base so yeah um i don't know man it's it's a great i had fun going back and just listening yeah. to these songs again
1: and there's a there's another collaborator on the album which i i always geek out about whenever i see his name on it but amp fiddler is credited oh. the, as keys But like, they don't act, they don't allocate they say the producers and i think the writers for every track but then when it comes to the musicians they list the whole the, the they whole list all yeah. the musicians at the end but they don't allocate them to songs which is really frustrating when albums do that but i um, so, but Amp Fiddler's credited as keys on this album. I have no idea if he's on every song or one song, but, um, it's, yeah. it's such a, again, it's a dream combo to have, um, uh, the legend that is Amp Fiddler and Maxwell, you know, making music together. So that would be awesome if there was more.
2: Yeah. I mean, um, speaking of keys, cause I know Federico Pena, um, him and Gene Lake, right, who are credited on this. Right. So I, I wanted yeah, to yeah. see which songs they were on because they play with Michelle. So I actually that's how I know of them, right? Um, and they're fantastic. But I wanted to like uh, which, so I know he's on the sweet theme because he's he's credited as a producer, but I don't know like. This is, this one was, I was like was trying to dig and say like, which songs were all the musicians playing. Right. So, you know, mm. who's playing the bass you know, me, who's playing the bass on this one versus that one. Yeah. And it wasn't, wasn't laid out like that, but um yeah, it was, but I liked like Wawa Watson's on there. I'm like, he's got some fantastic musicians playing with him. Yeah. So I was like, you know, Of course, it would blow up, (laughs) right? You know, (laughs) well, you hope. I mean, you know, um, now, I mean, looking back, now we could, I could say, okay, yeah, you get these guys together. Of course, boom, right? Um, But since it's your first album, you don't really know that. You just hope, hope that you that it does. But, um, but yeah, this is a great first. I mean. to be your first album dang it's crazy so, isn't it yeah. yes
1: and in terms uh, of collaborators i can't tell you how many times i looked up muse to see who that was who's or well, no who's who's muzzy but it's yeah. it's maxwell's riff off of the concept of muse which is yes. himself so he's credited himself as a producer but as under the guise of muse but i'm slow so i'm thinking who's muzzy Oh. what other music has muzzy made and i can't <laughs> ah! find Muzzy. i can't find muzzy anywhere and it's like oh wait a minute i yeah. am slow that's so, okay that's, right. that's okay but yeah so yeah it's a shame we didn't get more from muzzy
2: yeah so, um, like seven yeah. years come on man <laughs> i have been checking you yes um.
1: <laughs> um it's probably it's absolutely worthwhile to mention the um the EP of the MTV Unplugged uh, oh, as well which yeah. came out the following year uh, which probably most uh, recognised for the uh, cover of Kate Bush's This Woman's Work oh. which oh mm. gosh oh yes. god oh. which is a gorgeous Beautiful. he's mm. just perfect it, it, like I don't know uh, his voice is yeah it's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> i can't tell you what that song meant to me at uni uh yeah (gasps) my buddy who was a bigger maxwell fan than me at the time he was the one that was buying the albums and we were those three of us living together and we would just have this woman's work on like a lot it was a gorgeous gorgeous song
0: You
2: It is, um, and it showcases his vocals, and and it, it's just done beautifully, right? Mm. So, and again, you know, it becomes a, a classic because of the care and and you know the love that he gave to it, right? right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the reason, you know. I really appreciate him as an artist too, because of yeah. of the care that he gives to the craft.
0: And yeah. um,
2: you know, I, I don't know who's going to take the baton from him, but you know, uh, it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, it,
1: it, it is same. I mean, just the sort of final point about that and that unplugged thing is that obviously, I think mm-hmm. the, the whole thing comes in at about seven. Well, the the released version comes in at like seven songs, but apparently there's a, there's a whole session, there's a whole album's worth for that that recording. Oh. But Columbia went, didn't want it released for some reason, so they they would only agree to an EP's length uh, project. But apparently there was it was intended as a whole live album, um, but I don't know why Columbia seems to have a problem with it. But um, so we only got what we got. Thank uh goodness that we got the version of this woman's work included yes. on the project as well. But uh you're absolutely right. I mean, you talk about taking the baton from Maxwell, you're absolutely right, it's a great point. Something we've sort of discussed the, with D'Angelo uh yeah. in past conversations as well. In terms of there's an incredible body of work, but there are huge gaps of absence uh yeah. in that time. And I you know it's it's always funny because as fans we kind of say, well really want more yeah <laughs> you know, it's, we, we, we have that craving for more but i suppose the fact we're still discussing uh uh we, we still discuss and we're talking now about an album that was released uh 24 years ago exactly and, um it's you know is there is it, more needed <laughs> you know it's an incredible legacy that he's he's already uh bestowed upon everyone isn't it
0: um
2: well it may be Prince's influence on me because you know (laughs) and Motown and Aretha and other artists that just have like this you know huge uh, plethora of a collection right it doesn't happen you know Miles Davis there are certain artists Quincy Jones that have like these large bodies of work and so you you get used to Michael Jackson and even Madonna. I mean, there are people who just, you know, they, they have like these, you know, great 10 plus album uh, things that, you know, you get to, you know, keep the Beatles. Um, But then you drop this album and it's like, wow. (laughs) I mean, um, that puts you in, uh, in a a class of your own because it's like D'Angelo's where, you know 20 plus years that album is is still a great album and oh. it sounds just as fresh as it did when it was released lauren hill is in this this where they don't release a lot but what they did release hits you and moves you right hmm. um just as much and they made their imprint just as big so uh which then of course makes you want more so that's you know you know um that's what it is. It's that um, when you think about all of the artists that are out there and yet you, you go in and you create this to give to us um, and it stands out and it stands on its own. as a classic, you, you, hmm. you know, you're like, OK, just just one more,
1: you know, so <laughs> yeah. And, it is, and, I guess at the time of this recording, I mean, there was, I've sort of mentioned it already, but the, the Black Summer's Night, uh, which was intended to be a trilogy of albums, mm-hmm. uh, I have to check, it's 2009, I, I think, the first one came out. And at the time mm-hmm. of this recording, it's 11 years, and we've only had the second part uh, as right. well. So there's still there's the, the, the elusive third project, which has yet to, to, yeah. to be released. So it's, it is, I mean... Even before he's, Black Summer's Night, there were that was a long absence. And then correct. it was, I mean, how, oh gosh, I, I haven't had to work this out, but I think we might be talking two albums in about 16 years. Mm-hmm. This is what wow. I'm talking about. I'm just like, wow. And I was
2: watching an interview today. He he wants, he's aware of these time gaps and the fact that he's going to release the third. And he said he wanted to do it before he was 50. And He's getting close. So I'm not trying to wow. put any pressure on you Maxwell, but <laughs> the clock is ticking. So, you know, um and you know, I'm just saying that for selfish reasons, but um <laughs> totally. Uh but yeah, I know that you know he he wants to go out and live his life and 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 then have time to like put together something really wonderful, but you know, the clock is ticking. So I I don't know we'll have to see uh when he releases that project, but um um I know that Prince was uh, a huge influence on him. So that was another reason why he was like maybe I should if I can put out more music. But he I know he's also out um doing um philanthropy. So
0: Oh really? Yeah, wow, okay.
2: Yeah, so you know, whatever's going on in his life, you know, I'm, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, he's, he's doing what he wants to do. Just, I am aware that he said he was going to do a third album before he's 50. So, you know, hmm. tick, 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 it, tick, 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 so, okay. tick. <laughs> it is
1: funny. I've always really liked this kind of elusiveness with Maxwell. Like I've never looked mm-hmm. into his personal life and I, mm-hmm. I kind of like the fact that I know nothing really about him. Right. Uh, I, the only thing I probably know about him is that uh, Maxwell's his middle name. That's it. Like, that's really it. And I've never really tried to explore further because I always like this kind of air of mystery around him.
2: I think that started early on because he took it upon himself to keep part of his life private, right? So when you go into this, you have to decide if you want the fame or you just want the artistry part. And and I think he cited going off into the artistry. So he does, you know, he'll do the the junkets and all of that stuff but he really takes care to shield himself from that and i think that's you know to his credit um because it allows him to live his life on his terms right where you don't have people with a phone in their face every time they see you somewhere in the grocery store or or out you know you i i think um part of that is you know on the artist and then part of that's on the industry that allows um, us, the consumers, you know, the access, you know, I don't know, some of it, you know, for me, maybe too much, but you know, my too much is probably not enough for someone else. I don't know, but there has to be some boundaries I would think Mm. You know, even though social media is trying to disrupt those and get rid of those boundaries, yeah, you know,
1: but and he's, I guess, from a, just from a personal life perspective, I mean, he, yeah, he has kept himself uh, private, but it, you know, mm-hmm. thankfully, nothing has slipped out in terms of out of his control in terms of anything negative mm-hmm. or uh, any issues uh, from a legal perspective. You know, he's he seems to be as clean cut uh, as as uh as he seems which is excellent which is great yeah music.
2: yes i you know this is why i'm like tick 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anytime maxwell that's fine you know <laughs>
1: well i suppose in discussing that kind of body of work if we look at this uh-huh. album where are you with remixes on this one because there's 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 quite a few i i actually they they passed me by for a really long time um and i think it was probably last year. I, I don't know what inspired me to kind of start looking, but there were a lot of C D singles. I mean for every excuse me, for each of the CDs uh for each of the singles that were released, there mm-hmm. were um there's probably remixes for almost everything. Um and some of them there's almost two there's two CDs uh per single, uh which obviously have different tracks and remixes on there. Um there, there was there's a pretty decent collection of remixes available for, for, for this project, which is really exciting well you know me um i
2: i will be the person who buys the album who buys the remix so um i i i support all of that i'm the junkie that does that so um and the house versions the in, you know instrumentals right. the acapellas all of that right so um i i appreciate having it from this album because Again, um, how you you open up um, this album to different listeners, right, with the remix, especially if you're like in the club or, you know, you're listening to it in your car or however those remixes hit you, right? Usually they're in the clubs or on DJ's mixes that they they release, um, sometimes even on the radio, but um it's a great album to, to go and reference to, to make creations. Right. So,
1: yeah. 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 I always have to shout out that um they were remixed. There's a lock you up in love for days remix, which is from the till the cops come knocking. Yeah. Uh single, there was the mellow smooth remix for something, something, uh, which is a, oh, so good. Same. Um, uh, there's more yeah, there's another mantra uncut for something something as well and then for the longest time this song escaped me as well i think that i don't know if it was ever supposed to be for urban hang suite or if it was just a song that they had recorded previously but there was a song available on uh oh, i've gone blank for available on one of the cd singles called seguranka which is like just like oh yeah and a half minutes yeah right. and that, that escaped me for the longest time it was like a b-side to one of the cd singles I don't know if I just left off from the album, but that song was out there for ages, an actual fully fledged Maxwell song, and I didn't have it. <laughs> and I only got it last year, which I only discovered it then, which I can't believe that was just floating around, and so many people don't, don't seem know to know, know about it.
0: Look what you gotta see. So you're gonna be But all I ask of you Is love securely Today
2: You should probably should. Have, you should have told me that offline. I don't
1: know. <laughs> um, I don't know. Oh, I'm no, kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, I should hang my head in show No, you. no, Absolutely no, no. Right. No,
2: no. We can, you know. <laughs> no, we put it out there so people can go find it if they haven't okay, heard it. Go get yes. it. That's that's it. You see, yeah. you were vulnerable, and it's through the vulnerability <laughs> that we can come together and enjoy the song too. And thank you
1: okay that. thanks you, yeah, you you flipped you that really well so thanks you so know. much
2: <laughs> do do my part okay so, um no no but, but yeah. that's the point yes and see that's those remixes you know they give a new spin on them but they were just as good as the originals so um when that's done correctly these remixes are done correctly then you know then that's you know go
1: out and buy them too yeah yeah and they're all him i think as well he was sort of Mm -hmm. he took the lead in almost all of them as far as i know so yeah um yeah they're yeah they certainly serve as great extensions to the album as a whole
2: yeah very creative in that way so
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. So the penultimate thing I was going to ask you about, uh, mm-hmm. I think at the risk of getting lost in uh, uh, semantics uh, that no one's interested in. But uh, we, we referenced, um, well, lots of people, uh, uh, sort of publications and uh, whenever you read about the album, uh, even from critic reviews to just fan reviews, they cite this album as being a pioneering album within Neo Soul. I've never looked at this as a Neo Soul album. And I think that probably comes down to what people perceive Neo Soul to be. But I've never looked at this as a Neo Soul album. I never, ever thought it fit that bill.
2: Well, it it does only because of when it was released, right? Mm. And yeah. um, if if, so like if you're listening to Michelle's first album and the... The use of the instruments, the, you know, live instrumentation, which you also get, well, actually more so in D'Angelo's second album. But um, there's, it, it just happens to come at that time because shortly after him, or, I think was Erica. So, right. Right. Or around the same time. I'm not, I have to go back. No, I think it came out right before Baru's. So it, it's, 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 it's strictly timing right and and because um they created this new genre and he was not fitting the typical mode of where to put him then you get you you get the neo soul label right Mm. because you know when they release an album they have to figure out you know where are we gonna what market are we going to target so uh, so that that just fit in perfectly but um yeah
1: it uh yeah it's time. yeah i mean to me i always looked at neo soul as i guess contemporary soul even though it was the 90s like at that point but contemporary soul for the hip-hop generation and i think if you look at to me the two leading albums in that era with bardoism and brown sugar i mean those are two artists fully immersed in hip-hop I mean, from mm-hmm. their connection to their roots to to various other uh, uh, producers and rappers, and uh, their extensive work with you know within hip hop in general. I mean, uh, the liner notes to Voodoo contain an extensive kind of analysis of of hip hop from D'Angelo. Well, I think Saul Williams wrote it, but um, mm-hmm. you know, hip hop was as much a part of that project. Uh, as anything, as the Soulquarians were, were you know, hip-hop inspired, obviously. Uh, and I, I always looked at that um, being the differentiation for guys like Bilal, Jill Scott, Music Soulchild, all of them came from such a huge uh, background in hip-hop. And I listen to Urban Hang Suite, and I don't hear any of that, which no, is you... why I always took it right out of that, that oh, kind of collective.
2: Um, and I think because a- at the time the music industry as a whole. Um, Cause it's more, I would say more soul, more R and B if we're going to go by mm. the, 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 the genres, but because he was so new at the time, um, he gets sucked into that. And I'm actually glad he did because that would open him up to those listeners, right? Because um and I, I don't know if it's because during the nineties we were going through trying to come up with the new soul, right? Right. That you know, that's where even if we're infusing hip hop with soul music, um this is the new soul and and he would fit in that aspect of the name of, of Neo Soul. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um But, yeah, he's more clearly, like I said, this takes me back to Marvin Gaye. So this is where the R&B and soul for me really does come into play. And technically, since hip hop is borrowing and sampling from that time frame, you can still actually make the tie that they all come together to form this new soul, this new way of of interpreting um, this musical genre, right, that carried through the 90s, right? Because um, before then, we had SOS Man, we had Patrice Russian, all of those artists, but then you get this whole different sound now, right? And I, I would say that his album is the bridge back in terms of texture uh, with the music, but he's still part of this new group, mm. right, of artists that were doing that at that time. So
1: that's my you know two cents you know I don't, a fair retort yes this one rank as your favorite maxwell album for you uh well, and what's ooh. a close uh what would be number one or what's a close second
2: um sh- ooh. Mm. this would be actually when i went back to listen to it yeah i remembered why i really liked this album so it would be my number one um I almost picked the acoustic because I want his <laughs> work. So I was, cause because it's a beautiful track. I mean I can't pass over that album because I want yeah. that song. So if you give me that song with, you know, else, then I can give you a different album, right? So um uh but I, I like what he's doing. So um yeah, that that oh, you caught me off guard. I <laughs> too busy, you know. I'm too busy. You know, I had to fight again. These tracks, yeah, fight we're each get other there in a moment. Yeah, to pick um what, what my song was going to be. So, um, yeah, I just it's it, this whole uh, series that we're doing. Um, we've been picking really good albums to go back. And have fun with to appreciate again, right? And um I I can't believe uh, you know, I was two when this music came out. So, you know, to come back and listen to it wow. now at twenty two, you know, twenty four, right? So right, sure. uh, twenty six, yeah, yeah. whatever age mm. I'm
1: supposed to you know <laughs> to cover. Um but you had such a I, discerning ear at that age as well. It's incredible yeah. how you managed to yeah. <laughs> pick up on all the mom, influences. My mom just would
2: put me down in front of the music <laughs> and just absorb it in. But um <laughs> but the 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 cool part is um we've had three good albums, right? This one kicking off our new series here where these are classics, right? So I really hope if the listeners, you know, take a chance and just go back with us and enjoy these songs that we've, you know, had as much fun going back and enjoying, you know, I hope they do it too, right? Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to what you
1: pick too, because, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: If this uh, one's hard, man. This is hard. It, it is. It
1: is. Um, I, well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I, I, I am. What I, well, what I will pick. What I have picked. It is till the cops come knocking for me.
2: Oh, you did do it. Oh, that, that see, wasn't. Yeah, that bad. wasn't.
1: That wasn't initially what I what I gravitated okay. to on the album. Okay. But in the last few years, that's been my clear standout. I adore that record. Okay. It's Great, great, great song.
2: Oh, see, you know, I have to say. We've been picking really good songs to like start and end our shows for these. Yeah. So this is this is you did it again, Imran. This be, <laughs> Once the final comes together, that's going to be a great way to start it, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm. And you'll yes. be closing with.
2: You ready? Mm. Dance with me. Mm-hmm. Oh
1: wow! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: That is un- that's unexpected. Really? Oh. Mm, it's a tasty track let me tell you mm, oh yes,
1: no, yes, yes, yes it absolutely is i i suppose you mm-hmm. kind of think of whenever maybe i uh, lonely was probably my first favorite song or ascension uh, again will be a good one yes. a great one but yes. that's a really good pick oh thank you sir yes yeah. so uh and that's
2: it's the one like i said like so for me like till the cops come knocking reminds me of um Come live with me Angel on my right. album. So Dance With Me reminds me of After the Dance. Nice. So this is the tie for me. So yeah. And 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 when I put all of the tracks together to listen, that was the first one that came up and I heard it. I'm like, oh, I'm, this is we're ending the set with this. This is nice. yeah. So I was like, Whew, that one that I got done. <laughs> <'Cause>
1: <laughs> <laughs> these are like hard. Man. So there, oh. There's a lot. I kind of it, this is a kind of a fun album, yeah, for, for something like this, and as, particularly in terms of the time, uh, of like twenty odd years. But because there's, the, I connected with different songs at different times, and yeah. uh, Ascension, I guess, is I uh, probably the obvious, well, definitely the first thing that grabbed I, us both, being mm-hmm. the, probably the first song that we kind of heard. Uh, something, something again was a very close second, yes. I think, for after uh, the cops come knocking, and um, but probably the first song that I really really fell in love with was probably lonely lonely's the only and that's a good
2: one that's very beautiful song too right again it's got that light Matthewman sax yes so so you know it's got this yeah it's got the sax but it's got that this uh, shot vibe which is uh, yeah you know but um when i had to think about what we should end the show with i'm like oh yeah no no this is the one we end with so that was yeah what?